Hey, what's going on? Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors. On today's show, we are talking about the Raptors and the Eastern Conference at large. Now they're about 10% of the way through the schedule. We are joined by James Herbert, a returning guest from CBSSports.com, to dig into where the Raptors stand now as opposed to where they were at the beginning of the season, expectations-wise, and where they slot in amongst the rest of the Eastern Conference jumble in what is clearly the better and cooler conference this season. That's all coming up on today's show with James Herbert, stick around. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1049 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, November the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe, uh, tell a friend, all the good stuff to all of your favorite podcasts, uh, the, the, all the stuff that you do to your favorite podcasts to support them. You can do it, and it's free on all of your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube, so please subscribe over there as well. We've had some nice uh, boost in the subs lately, so please uh, jump on over there. It's very, very nice of you to do so. Even if you're not going to watch the show on YouTube, just subscribe so we get the stats, baby. Uh, today's show is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Uh, all right. On today's show, we are talking about your Toronto Raptors and how their sort of expectations might have evolved over the first eight games. Of course, they sit five and three going into their game tonight against the Washington Wizards on a four-game winning streak. It's all very good in sunshine and roses, even with some injuries plaguing the you know couple of the better players on the team. Uh, and we're also going to talk about the Eastern Conference and where things all sort of stand right now, about a tenth of the way through the schedule. And joining me to do all of that is a guy who I love to have on the show after the Raptors roll through New York because he's there, he's seen them in person, and of course, he's a misplaced Torontonian. Or I guess not misplaced, you're living there like uh, on your own volition. But either way, it's James Herbert from CBSSports.com. James, how's it going, man? I'm just I'm just misplaced. I'm just looking around. I'm in an unfamiliar environment, just just lost at sea without my, you know, I don't know. With without my my loonies and toonies anymore. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had a loony or a toonie in ages. I don't think I've had cash on me since the start of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I mean that's it. a good point. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't ever it's not like I'm out here with like dollar bills handing them out. Like I don't yeah, yeah. It's not relevant to my life. No. <laughs> I do remember the day before everything hit with the pandemic, I was like panicking and I went to the bank and was like, I'm going to get some cash out and thought like, oh, 160 bucks is probably enough to satiate me throughout the rest of the pandemic, right? It's not going to last that long. 160 bucks? Sure. Uh, and I think that 160 bucks is still sitting on my nightstand because I have had no course to use it. Either way, James, it's lovely to have you on the show, man. And uh, yeah, you saw the Raptors in the flesh for the first time this season when they took on the Knicks on Monday beating them in a very impressive fashion. OG going off for 36. Before we get into the Eastern Conference later in the show, kind of want to just get your first impressions on the Raptors here, eight games into the season, 
at five and three and playing, I think, better basketball than most people would have expected for a team with very few returning faces and a lot of youth and, of course, coming off a bad year last season. Yeah, I mean, I think stylistically, they've been pretty much exactly what I thought they would be. Um, Like you sort of knew what the identity of the team was going to be based on, you know, having watching what happened last year, having heard the like quotes from from the team in training camp and seeing them in preseason, even like seeing them in summer league. Right. Like, I think I mean, this is one of the things I I asked Nick about this um, pregame on Monday was like, do you think the the stretch that they had? Um, before everybody got sick, but after that two and eight start was like clarifying in any way about like the style of play and the identity of the team. And he gave me kind of like long winding answer and talked about, you know, how like, yeah, they have like, you know, you might call Precious Achua or Ken Birch like a traditional big sort of. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're still, they're not really because they're versatile. They can switch, they can guard out on the perimeter. They're athletic. Um, and I just think like, it is pretty clear the way that these Raptors want to play. Um, part of that I think is dictated a little bit by personnel. Like if you don't trust your half court offense that much, then of course you want to run as much as humanly possible. Um, but, but, um, and you know, some of it goes back to like, like even before Nick was the head coach of the team, like I don't think the way that the second unit played in Casey's final season is that different from what we're seeing, like from a broader overall like philosophy of what the Raptors do. It's just like now they're just more all in on this than they've ever been. They're mm-hmm. more aggressive than they've ever been defensively. They have the personnel that really fits um, what the Raptors are doing. And I think I can think of no better example of that is like, how many minutes Delano Ben is playing and then what we've yeah. seen with Goran Dragic falling out of the rotation and Malachi Flynn only now in the last couple of games kind of getting back into it. Like the Raptors want to be really, really, really good at what they're good at. And ideally they'll improve at, at the stuff that they're not great at. And you've already seen that a little bit. Um, I think their half court offense has gotten better as the season has gone on. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they were playing with a lot of pace, even in the the half court uh, at that in that Nick game in particular. But like they, that's that's what they want to do. And I mean, what you want to see is Siakam come back, and you hope that that Barnes's injury isn't something that will keep him out of the lineup for for too long. But what you want to see is like, all right, when they're when you have the full team, and maybe like maybe I should be mentioning Utah as well. And like, yeah, um, like once you can just you can add a little bit more talent to that mix and a little bit more playmaking to that mix. Um, Can you build on this even more? Like, I think I projected them as like eighth in the East and that was like high compared to most people coming into the year. And now you're thinking like, maybe maybe the ceiling's a little higher than that. And I I will have to see, obviously I think shooting becomes even more important once Pascal comes back, but I've, I've for sure been encouraged. Yeah, I mean, I think they're ahead of schedule in a lot of ways. I think the thing, honestly, that surprises me most, yes, they're like 15th in offense right now, which is, I think, kind of stunning considering they haven't had Pascal and sometimes their possessions look like an absolute dumpster fire. But Mm -hmm. the thing that's really kind of struck me is that their defense is this far along in terms of like chemistry and cohesion. I know that just like the physical talent they have on the floor is very imposing and they have a lot of dudes who are just like, defense first and maybe it's not terribly surprising but with the way nick nurse likes to coach his defense it's complex there's lots to figure out they're doing different stuff you know you know one minute to the next and then 
you know, I, I figured it was going to take maybe two, three weeks for, I guess it's only been two, three weeks, maybe like a month or two for the defense to really kind of coalesce into its final form. But right now they sit uh, eighth in the NBA, 102.3 defensive rating. It's not bad considering all of the new faces and all of the sort of chemistry building that still, I think, needs to be done. Are you surprised by how far ahead of schedule they seem to be on that end of the floor? A little bit. I mean, they're, they're a better rebounding team than I anticipated defensively and yeah. offensively. I mean, they're they're incredible uh, in that area. The teams are not running against them. Like, their, their transition defense is awesome. Um, and then in the half court, I think, yeah, like, they, they have a more complex sort of system of different defensive schemes than any other team in the NBA. And I think regardless of what style they're playing, they always want a ton of ball pressure. They're, they always yeah. want to be forcing turnovers. They always want to be making stars, in particular, extremely uncomfortable. And if that means that, you know, the more disciplined teams, the more patient teams, the better passing teams will be able to create some open threes against them if they actually stick to it and don't get, like, disoriented and disconnected combobulated then like they'll they'll kind of have to live with that and they'll lose some games that way but i think their gamble is that over the course of the season this is the way for them to win like they can make other teams really uncomfortable and yeah i would say it's a little bit um better than i expected um but at the same time i mean i expected that like they would they had the capability of being an elite defensive team yeah. um and they were the kind of team that you would think would get better over the course of the season. So maybe they're, they're ahead of schedule, but I still think there's there's room to improve there. I mean, the one thing that really stands out to me is like, even when there is uh, a miscue defensively, like they often make up for it. Like this team just, yeah. they, they play so hard and <laughs> they they have a lot of length. They have a lot of guys that can recover. They, I think they communicate pretty like pretty well in terms of like handing off assignments on the fly and that kind of thing. Like, I think they, especially the guys that have been there for a while, they've been empowered to kind of make a play if they see one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some of that is like, you know, Fred and OG, even like, you know, like somebody like Ken Birch, like I think he looks really, really good with that starting unit. Um, yeah. And part of that is because he was there at least last year. Like he got some time to to learn how these guys like to play. And then, you know, I, I think it, it when you have that many interchangeable guys and you can switch as, as often as they do that, that's a really good starting point. And from now, it's just it's just basically about like kind of building that sense of cohesion over the course of the season. And to your point, like I do think um, for a team that is like playing Scotty Barnes a rookie huge minutes that is playing Delano Banton as like the backup point guard, essentially <laughs> um, that is, you know, integrating precious to you, like all, all this stuff, like, like even like to see the, the gains that a guy like has made, like you saw flashes of this, I think yeah. particularly in Portland, but this is the best defense he's played in his life. Uh, Speed yeah. Mikhail Luke, I think is playing better defensively than he has in his prior spots. He's not a stopper. But, like, I, I think the whole is already more than the sum of its parts here. Yeah, I think that's all really well put. And I want to sort of then pivot into the sort of conversation of where maybe their expectations should be after this 
start to the season considering how well they've played without Siakam and with, without Barnes in the last game and just sort of folding in the inclusion of Barnes and how freaking good he's been so far we will get to that in just one second here James but first I want to tell you about our friends over at McDonald's this episode of Lockdown Raptors is brought to you by McDonald's proudly serving communities since 1965 McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty affordable food it's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable wi-fi and endless supplies of french fries and french fries and mcflurries i used to go to mcdonald's all the time as a youth in high school not to do work mostly to skip class but still the wi-fi is there for you they might not have had the wi-fi in place uh, when i was skipping said classes back in the late aughts either way it's a place where win or lose your teammates competitors home team away team can come to recharge it is the place to look forward to when you're stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel and uh, i've told this story before you don't just have to go to the physical mcdonald's as well they have delivery it's wonderful you fire up their app they're going to deliver you some stuff and the night the raptors won the nba title talk about bringing people together i ordered mcdonald's at like 3 30 in the morning drunk in a haze of alcohol and glee from the raptors winning the title and then my mcdonald's delivery driver showed up and he was wearing a raptors jersey and we had a full-on embrace in the middle of the driveway for like a good 30 seconds it was lovely beautiful stuff bringing people together whether you're at the restaurant or away from it and guess what you can watch sports at mcdonald's you can go there for a watch party maybe we'll do a locked on raptors watch party from there sometime i've watched world cup games in mcdonald's when i was really kind of you know needing to stop in the game was going on and I needed just a place to watch it. McDonald's is a spot. It's wonderful. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Thank you to McDonald's for sponsoring the podcast. I'm loving it. All right, James, we continue on here. Thanks again to everyone for making this your first listen of the day. James, the uh, expectations for the Raptors coming in, you mentioned you had them at eighth. I had them going 42 and 40 at the start of the season. I think seventh or eighth was kind of where I penciled them in as well. You know, whether they won the play-in game or not, I thought they were going to be play-in bound. But you look around the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics are in shambles. The Hawks don't maybe look as good as you would think they would look with the depth and, the, and sort of the momentum they had coming into this year after last season. Trey Young will figure out the foul rules, I'm sure, but maybe he doesn't, and that sort of hampers them. I, I'm curious, James, like, have you had your expectations changed at all as to, you know, what this team could be in terms of like overall ceiling this regular season i don't think anyone really would have picked them to like win a playoff series or anything like that i think it was kind of understood this was a transitional season and really anywhere any outcome would have been fine for various reasons if they come you know 13th and miss the play-in you know you would hope that there was at least some a you're getting a lottery pick to throw back into the mix and hopefully there was at least some growth from some guys and that was sort of a sign by finishing 13th that they leaned in development for guys but obviously, I don't think that's going to be a problem for them. They seem like they're going to be a lot better than missing the play-in at this point. But my question to you is, James, is like, how high can they finish in the Eastern Conference, a conference that is very good, I, I might add? Yeah, I think th there's two questions here. Because one is how good can the Raptors be? And then the second is like, what is this East going to look like? And they like yeah. they don't really have a lot of control over some of this other stuff that's going on here. And I think this is, we knew it was going to be a really deep Eastern conference. I think there were a lot of teams that were kind of looked at as like in the same boat as the Raptors, like this kind of could go either way. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be, 
pretty optimistic about Charlotte based on how they have started, at least on the offensive end. Defensively, it has been spotty. <laughs> uh, I think Washington, you should be pretty optimistic about the way that they've started, though, again, it is early. We'll see. I don't think Boston is going to be as bad as it looks right now. I think Atlanta will get better. I think Miami is legit. Um, and then you, Ooh, you can Kyle kind of... Lowry, as it turns mm-hmm. out, helps you win basketball games. Stunning news, I know, to those who are unfamiliar with his work. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> and then, like, Philly is still a big question mark to me. To me, Their stats look insane. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really understand how they have the best transition offense in the league without Ben Simmons. It doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. Obviously, defensively, <laughs> like, I mean, they have, like, the you know, a statistician's dream of a shot profile. They're just making every team shoot from mid range and the numbers have been on their side so far. I still don't know that I consider them like as currently constituted, like a big time contender or anything. We haven't really seen mm-hmm. the box there. Like the version of the box you watch right now is not the real box. I yeah. would go as far as to say the version of the nets that you see right now is not the real nets. And that, that's not just because of Kyrie It's because I've been like going to these nets games and like, you see, like, if they're in, like, just, like, a half-court game, like, they just have more talent than the other team, and, like, they've been really good at, like, just getting their buckets there, and they've actually been a surprisingly good half-court defense, too, but everything is just hard for them. Like, they, it's just a lot of sort of difficult shots, a lot of, like, you know, they're getting nothing easy the way they used to. They're They're not running they're not getting um a ton of open threes like they used to create so easily for everybody the spacing has been inconsistent the shooting has been flat out bad from almost everybody um on on most of these nights and then they're losing the possession game pretty much every night because their rebounding is awful and they're not forcing Mm -hmm. any turnovers and they're coughing it up and it's like this is just like a team that I think is still in sort of an extended preseason is just kind of rounding into form now. And like, like when we're talking about Brooklyn and Milwaukee, those are like the two best, like to me, like everybody thought coming into the year, not only the two best teams in in the conference, people were saying these are the two best teams in league. And so you assume it stuff will change with those guys. And then you kind of put, you throw the Raptors in the mix sort of below that top tier um, with the team, like the Knicks with teams like, you know, the Hornets, Boston, Atlanta, like Charlotte, the Pacers, all, all this. There will be some separation at some point. But I think like when you just look at the Eastern standings, like almost everybody's 500 or better. Almost mm-hmm. everybody has like some positive stories that you can talk about. And a lot of these teams still have real questions. And I, I, I think based on how the Raptors have started, like, yeah, I think their ceiling's a little bit higher. Um but I don't know that it has like fundamentally changed the way I see them in like the pecking order, if that makes sense. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. I I think, you know, the way I would sort of sum it up is I I think they were part of the sort of, you know, the, the sort of haphazard, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe like eight, nine, 10 crew of teams that, you know, sort of a tier below like the Celtics and the Knicks that everyone threw the Knicks into that sort of upper tier, which I don't know if I entirely agree with. I know they're good, bing bong, yada, yada, yada. I still kind of have questions about, uh, you know, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker as a defensive backcourt and is Julius Randle as good as he was last year and all that. So I probably would have had the Knicks a tier lower, but I do think I I would put the Raptors ahead. I know the Wizards beat them on the opening night of the season and all that, but 
I think I would put the Raptors ahead of the Wizards. I think I would put them ahead of the Pacers. I would put them into that sort of next tier with the Celtics in theory and the Hornets now and the Knicks and the Bulls who are awesome. And maybe the Bulls are a tier higher than that. I don't know, but they rock. They're so fun. And watching them, you know, embarrass the Celtics uh, on Monday night was uh, a lovely capper to a lovely Raptors night as well. So I, I think I've sort of changed the tier that I would put the Raptors in, but that still puts them at risk of not getting into that top six. I still don't know if they're a home court in the first round team or anything like that. That said, they try really freaking hard, and that is usually good for wins in the regular season. And then the playoffs, I, I think there's still some serious questions about sort of the the efficacy of what they got going in the postseason. Transition obviously goes down. It becomes more difficult to sort of make things work in the half court when you don't have clear, obvious creators. So in terms of like overall ceiling this season, I think their path to getting through the first round is going to be matchup based. If they get a you know a favorable first round matchup in a four five or a three six or something like that, then great. But I, I still would say you know the playoff outcomes probably aren't all that different necessarily, even that there's more of a path to getting through. But I think just on overall quality, I would put them a tier higher than I had them to start the year. James, I got to ask you like. I've been a Western Conference basketball boy for a long time. I've loved just like after the Raptors finish up while I'm doing my postgame work or whatever, having the Western Conference on. I've been kind of bummed by the Western Conference this season. And it's just like, okay, the Clippers again with no Kawhi. Do I really want to watch this? Like the Pelicans, like depressing is all hell. Are you, uh, like me, kind of becoming an Eastern Conference basketball convert and looking forward more to the Eastern matchups at 7 o'clock than you are at those late-night matchups, which used to be kind of the the thing that would be your reward for watching the Pacers against the Hawks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the East is way more interesting right now. I think, like, hmm. both conferences are a little bit, like, messy. Um, yeah. But the East is, like, a more fun way. <laughs> like, the West is, like... <laughs> A lot of these teams are just, I mean, like some of the teams you mentioned off top were like some of the more depressing stories in the league. Like I don't want to watch the Pelicans right now. The, the Clippers offense is pretty gross. Um, I think, you know, the Warriors are an exception to this rule because they are mm -hmm. like as much fun to watch basketball as like any team that has maybe ever existed. Like I love to watch them. I love the style that they play with um, their offense. I mean, it just, it looks like the, the Warriors, like, the Warriors yeah. of a few years ago. Um, and Clay isn't even back yet, but I just, I have a blast watching that team. I think there are like, you know, fun teams to find. Uh, Denver looks great. Um, and it's always a treat to watch Jokic. Um, I think even some of the younger teams, like I get a kick out of Houston, even though they're bad, like Houston is cool. <laughs> um, the, the way that, the way that team plays, um, if you are not committed to watching the whole 48 minutes, I recommend checking in on the thunder for the Josh Giddy experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we're talking about like, um, if we're having like serious basketball discussions, I think the East is more interesting right now. Um, cause they have more teams that are kind of compelling that we're sort of figuring out how mm -hmm. this is going to work and it's hard to prognosticate. And then just in, in terms of like entertainment value, like, yeah, I think, um, it has been sort of trending this direction a little bit over the past few years in terms of like depth, uh, where I think like you looked at the West and you're like, all right, some of those teams at the top are like awesome. Um, but once we get into these teams that are like on the fringes of making the playoffs, like this is, is kind of a bummer. And I think this year is yeah. like, it's getting a little bit more extreme. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to finish this off. I want to kind of throw a couple rapid-fire Raptors questions at you, James, to wrap this thing up and get your thoughts on a couple of dudes we've seen. We talked a little bit off the top, but we can dive a little bit more. I want to know what you think about Scotty Barnes because he did not play in that Knicks game on Monday, but he rocks. Uh, we will get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. And look, in Canada, we've already had Thanksgiving, but everybody knows the later in November, the, the American Thanksgiving's the big one, yada, yada, yada. But that's okay because with it, if you're a Built Bar fan, comes lots of delicious potential flavors and lots of opportunity to eat some Built Bars, baby. Uh, it's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert you should be trying to, you know, watch the watch the weight, watch the health, watch the figure, all of that stuff. You can feast on something delicious, delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's in the low end. Most Built Bars, only 130 calories and just four grams of sugar with plenty of protein replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar or go for a raspberry built bar instead of that raspberry pie lots of flavors to replace any pie i don't know if they have mint brownie pie if that's a thing but the mint brownie built bar is as wonderful a dessert as you could possibly ask for low calorie low carb low fat high protein covered in 100 real dark chocolate built bar is the great option for when you're hungry if Thanksgiving, if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, you can go for a built Bar or two as well. Share some at your family gatherings. Just toss them out like they're Christmas crackers or something like that. And uh, maybe your family members haven't tried one yet. Give it to them and see what they think. New surprises are coming all month as well as limited time flavors will be arriving at Built.com regularly, regularly for the holiday season. So go and check out the site as often as you can. Plus, there's nothing like a built Bar Black Friday. market calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises over at Built.com. Go to the site, Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And today's show is brought to you by our pals over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season is here and more props and odds and lines are available than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile de uh, website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, meaning if you put in uh, 100 bucks, you get 150 bucks to play with, all just by putting in the promo code Locked On, all one word, L O C K E D O N. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, although that's over now. So, baseball futures, baby. NHL, boxing, and the UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, James, uh, we talked a little about the Eastern Conference and uh, how cool it is and where the Raptors slot into it all. But I do just want to get your quick fire, rapid fire thoughts on the Raptors and some individual guys, as opposed to the sort of big picture chat we had at the top. We should start with Scotty Barnes, who uh, I mean, basically, if I don't mention Scotty Barnes on the podcast, I'm doing myself a disservice because everybody loves Scotty Barnes. And how could you not? Uh, probably not going to play until maybe Friday against the Cavs, maybe on Sunday against the Nets. We'll see, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a terribly long absence for him. What have you liked about Barnes so far, James? You know, I'm not sure how much of a draft head you are and what your opinions on Barnes were coming into the draft and all that, but I'm assuming the expectations have kind of been blown out of the water based on what he's done so far. Much is the same with everyone else who knows stuff about the draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I loved Barnes as a prospect, but I thought like the, what we're seeing from him as a scorer is something yeah. like maybe you'd, you'd see like next year, the year out. Like I, I did not expect it out the gate. And I think that is where, you know, I mean, probably give him some credit. I mean, I'd love to hear from him like what 
he like you know did in between the end of his uh college season to the start of this one um in -hmm. terms of the jump shot in terms of just the mentality and and all of that um i think also like very clearly based on everything nurse has said like the coaching staff has been on him like we want you to think score when you drive we want you to just if like Hey, congrats. You took 21 shots. Like take more next time. Like they, they want this guy (laughs) to be aggressive. They want him to, you know, I mean, I I think part of it is like, he's proven himself to be, um, a very, I mean, obviously a good passer, but I think more than that, like a smart player, a good decision maker, a guy that makes the right reads most of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. so if he can be putting some pressure on the rim, getting downhill, even if it's just, um, he is like, posting somebody up and seeing if like help is going to come or whatever like that is a good thing for the team not not just for scotty maybe getting a bucket which oh by the way it is nice that he has this awesome touch um from like floater range and it's nice that he can just like kind of bully smaller guys and, and get to the rim. Like you saw some of this in summer league so that had me going like hmm okay like mm-hmm. he is like kind of aggressive as hell Um, even though he has this, like, I want to make everybody happy. I want to share the ball vibe. Like he is also (laughs) like, he's kind of a maniac. Um, so it has been really cool to see him do that. And then I think it's been equally cool on the other end. Uh, like it says something that on a team where you have two guys that could have made first team all defense last year that guard the perimeter, like oftentimes Nick has thrown him on the best perimeter player on the other team to start the game. Like the Mm -hmm. way the Raptors work, you kind of guard everybody. Um, But to see him actually like as the primary matchup for some of these opposing like star wings, like that was not necessarily something I expected, not even just because of Scotty, like he profiles that kind of guy, but just because of who else is on the roster. But it seems like they're really trying to challenge him and they're trying to do that on both ends. They're trying to kind of like, put him on this like you know like hyper speed development track and like it's cool to see it happen and like i think you know i i was telling people at the raptors game the other day like i was just kind of bummed that he wasn't playing like obviously i would like to yeah. see this guy in person but it's just when i watch the raptors it's sort of like it reminds me of when mark gasol was on the team like when gasol was on the court and now when scotty is on the court they're just automatically more interesting to me. Like my, <laughs> I feel like the, the, the ball moves better. I feel like they are more fun to watch. I just like, I want to watch that version more than the version where, where Scotty is uh, unavailable or on the bench. And like, I, I was, you know, I was treated to a really good game and like crazy Raptors performance, maybe the best of the year that night without Scotty. But I, I still feel like when he gets back on the court, like I'm going to have that same experience watching the Raptors play. So I got to ask you, James, because this is kind of the the debate du jour among Raptors fans as Pascal Siakam inches towards a return. It seems like Kem Birch earned the starting job for now, uh, taking it away from Precious Achua with that last game. Precious, a uh, little green looking, I would say. But in, in terms of when Siakam gets back, I am on the train of uh, just play small, go Fred, Trent, and then OG Siakam Barnes and have Barnes be your center some people, I think, still have like the ghosts of last season where they didn't have a center and, and like they, everyone, I yeah, gotta have a center out there. But really, they were most successful when they played without one last year, too. And they played like infinitely smaller than they would be in this hypothetical configuration. So let me ask you, James, should Scotty Barnes just be the starting center going forward once Pascal is back and you roll with that five man lineup? Or are you worried about the taxing of the, the sort of, you know, all the sort of smaller tweener forwards against bigs? Like, what's your sort of read on that? Because to me, I think it's pretty obvious that's going to be their best lineup one way or another. 
Yeah, I think the the only thing that might stop it from being their best lineup is if there's not enough shooting. And like that sort of TBD, yeah. like how will Pascal shoot? How will Scotty shoot? Um, but like, yeah, that's what I want. If Scotty's in the middle of I the don't... floor, what like you probably don't need shoot. You need to like, yeah, Pascal needs to be fine, but you have OG, Fred, and Trent. Like, sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. I mean, I just think that's my only question. But yeah. like, that's the lineup I want to see. That like, I. I there's no hesitation in my eyes. Like you put your best players out on the court and you see yeah. how it works. I don't really believe in traditional positions. I don't think the Raptors adhere to them much. Um, you called <laughs> Scotty the center. I might argue that OG is the center in that configuration because we've seen him guard a lot of bigs. Uh, shit, we saw the other night he was the role man and had an alley-oop dunk from Van Vliet. <laughs> like, give me more of that, man. Like, wh yeah. <laughs> why not? He's athletic enough. He's big enough. Um, so, like... I like I am about as radical as they come in terms of like positions just not mattering anymore, and I think yeah. that is more true on this team than any other team. Um, and that that doesn't mean I'm like anti the Raptors eventually having a seven footer, and it doesn't mean I think like <laughs> Jane Kemberts to the bench. Like no, like try different stuff, and it doesn't mean you have to start those five every single night if you're particularly concerned about one matchup or another. Like try something different. But honestly, like when last year they started. Uh, OG and Pascal is the two biggest guys against Philadelphia and against Milwaukee. Uh, like <laughs> to me like that. And, and they won those games. It's like, that should be enough to kind of embolden you to do that and not feel like you're doing anything that's like too out there. Yeah. And I would just say Trent's been too good to bench. His defense has been essential. That oh, yeah. Fred Trent backcourt is just like a nightmare to play against as a ball handler. And I don't know how in any world you could say, yeah, Scotty Barnes, after the start you've had, now go to the bench, uh, especially considering they've emboldened him to take 20 shots a game or more. It doesn't really feel like a thing they're going to do and then sort of limit the number of minutes he can play. Obviously, you know, you can work your rotations. He comes in after six minutes, can still play north of 30 minutes. It's just yeah. easier to work when you start him and have those first six minutes be Scotty Barnes's. So um, I think we're in agreement on this one. I think you take him out after six minutes and you put him back in to run the second unit like that. Like yeah. if he's your first yeah. dub and then you, like that makes sense to me if you want to give him more of kind of a playmaking role um, and you feel like, all right, well, with Pascal out there and all of this, like maybe like he's not going to be as aggressive as you want it to be, whatever. Like that, that's the kind of thing I like. You can do all sorts of stuff with your rotation. You can play around. Um, and I think like, we have seen, I mean, last season was like an extreme example of this, but I think like go back to, to years past, I think nurse has like shown himself to be a guy that like will start a season with one idea and will pivot or yeah. will start the season thinking he's going to be more fluid than he ends up being like he, like yeah. Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> when he became the full-time starter was not gifted that in training camp. He just, he played so well that they never found it. Like he just kind of won it by default because he was awesome. Yeah, one last one for you, James, on Fred Van Vliet, because he's kind of been the forgotten guy in a lot of the conversations so far this season. It's been a lot of OG and a lot of Scotty and a lot of Trent and all that, and Precious Achua has been a topic of conversation. Fred's just kind of been quietly going about business, you know, 17 and 7. The shooting can kind of come and go here and there, but I I'm just curious, you know, he's now in that lead point guard role for the first time. You know, he was leaning on Kyle Lowry and that sort of two-headed monster backcourt before. Now it's kind of his show, and I would argue he's been a little bit overextended, not you know through any fault of his own. They just haven't had the players on hand that you trust to have the ball in their hands more than him. What have you made of his start to the season? Do you like the way he's kind of shown, you know, maybe like the flashing the mid-range game and stuff like that? Do you think he's shown to be a little bit more of a reliable lead guard 
than you would have expected? Or do you think he's going to be maybe the biggest beneficiary of getting more ball handling back in the lineup so he can kind of do his off ball, you know, relocation thing? Yeah, I think that that will help for sure. Yeah. But I don't think he's been bad in this role. Like if like you can certainly isolate kind of instances where it's like, all right, well, that's like he's taking a tough shot there or he's having to bail them out. And I, I think honestly, it's it's more so the latter than anything else. Like you, you yeah. mentioned there are times where the offense looks like a dumpster fire. Like those are often times where Fred has to try to save them. And at that point, it's sort of like, I'm not going to sit here and criticize the guy for like creating a step back three um, and missing it late in the shot clock. It's like, I, I think with Fred, like he is not so worried about his percentages that he is going to like shy away from doing that. He'll take that bullet. He'll answer the questions about it. Um, he will sometimes, you know, drive into traffic and whether it's, he is trying to draw a foul and he doesn't get a call or whether he's getting it in there and trying to get it out and the defense collapses and the spacing isn't right around him. Like sometimes it doesn't go well, but oftentimes he gets in there and he makes something out of absolutely nothing. Um, mm -hmm. Like OG had an awesome game the other day. It was a career high. Like a lot of those buckets were created directly by Fred. Um, I, I do think he is like more than qualified to be a starting point guard. I don't think he is a guy that, you ideally want with like a, you know, like mid thirties usage rate or anything like that. Like that's not <laughs> ideal. I mean, he kind of made a name for himself as like a type of player that we really haven't seen before, which is like a six foot defense first three and D wing, which like doesn't make sense. <laughs> but like, so like he obviously like in college, he was always like, he was the point guard. He has been a point guard his whole life. He is more like natural, like, being the point guard than being that, but like that is basically what he was before. So yeah. there, there will be some growing pains. The efficiency might not look as great as you would like, but I do think, you know, I, I see him growing as a playmaker, as a scorer himself. I mean, you, you mentioned the mid range shots. I think those are shots that, you know, the Raptors don't love in general, but a lot of defenses just kind of surrender those. And I yeah. like personally, if it's Fred Van Vliet walking into a comfortable open mid-range shot, like I am perfectly fine with that. In fact, I'm more fine with that than some of the like step back twos that we've seen from OG Ananobi. I think those are just much harder shots out of a one-on-one -on -one scenario than the kind of twos that we're seeing Fred take. So yeah, like the efficiency isn't amazing. Um, but like, let's check in on that at the end of the year. Let's see what happens when Siakam gets back. I think he's one of the best defensive players in the entire NBA. He's clearly the leader of this team. He does so much to make this team better. And oh, by the way, like he's like all the stuff that Kyle did that like Fred did also, but like we talked about Kyle doing it more like, okay, now it's Fred. Who's like maybe the best screener on the team. Now it's Fred yeah. who like is box <laughs> boxing dudes out, even though he's so much smaller than them because he doesn't have the luxury of just being able to out jump people for rebounds. Yeah. But like he helps them rebound because he does that. And I just, he is like one of the smartest players in basketball. And I think um, like, yeah, the, the, some of his limitations have like, are exacerbated by the fact like that this team doesn't have that like go-to high usage like Kawhi guy and it no longer yeah. has the Kyle to, to help them out either um but I, I think pretty much everything that the Raptors are doing well is being facilitated in some way by Fred Van Vliet.
Yeah, and just a quick note on some of the numbers shooting-wise, the mid-range in particular, 53% from 10 to 16 feet, uh, 67% from 16 to three-point range. He's down from three-point range to just 34%, probably will be aided by Siakam coming back more than anything else in his game, just because all of his looks right now are self-created and impossibly difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's not very good from floater range, but he's been better from around the rim. Will that hold up? Will he be 59% from around the rim all season? Probably not. He's six feet tall, but it'll all kind of balance out, I think, here. And I also think, like, once they sort of move away from Precious at the starting five, which could happen as soon as tonight, I I think, you know, having someone who can set a screen and connect with a defender will help him a little bit there, too. It's all these sort of little sort of advantages. And I think Ken Birch is a nice pairing with Fred as just a role man and a guy who can actually connect with a defender. Precious Achua yet to hit a defender on a screen once this season so far, and that can't be helping matters at all. So um, (laughs) that feels like a pretty good place to leave this one off. James, thank you so much for jumping on. Always love talking ball with you. Uh, Where can people check out all of your excellent work? At cbssports.com in the NBA section. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Of course, man. It was lovely having you back. Hopefully we can do it again soon. And uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Ashley Dawking, the queen of Tic Tac Raptors, Tic Tac? Tic Tac Raptors recaps. (laughs) She just eats Tic Tacs and recaps games. It's uh, it's very good sponsored content. Either way, Ashley Dawking is going to come on the show after the Wizards game tonight. We will break that down. And then Friday, we're going to do a mailbag with Katie Heindel. So get your questions in for that. Send them either on the YouTube channel or uh, you can uh, shoot them to me on Twitter as well, at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show, subscribe on all your favorite platforms for free. Subscribe on YouTube, and uh, thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Fantasy Basketball is Josh Lloyd is crushing it over there, covering all the early season trends for your fantasy basketball team. It's an important time. Dropping players you don't need, picking up players you want, and Josh has the uh, goods on, on what you should be doing over there. So that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. 